1: Welcome into a Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there in Cougar Nation. Plenty to talk about ahead on today's episode of Locked on Cougars. We continue our look back at BYU football history, talking about the 1973 season. How did year two under Lavelle Edwards go? We'll talk about that. We'll also continue on talking with our good friend Billy Nixon, BYU Director for Player Experience as well as Equipment Operations. What went into the decision-making process, the All of that that involved BYU's brand new football locker room. We'll examine that ahead on today's show. And of course, catch you guys up on everything else you need to know as a BYU fan as we have arrived nearly... the weekend. So without further ado, let's dive in on a Friday, but a quick reminder that today's show is brought to you by our good friends with the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. If there's anything regarding the draft, whether it's player breakdowns, mock drafts, whatever it might be, the Locked On NFL Draft has it for you guys. Check it out, download it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, without further ado, let's get going here on a Friday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for June 25th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. A big thank you once again for joining us here on your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. A reminder for you guys to make sure you hit that follow button wherever you might be listening in from, whether it's Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, no matter what it might be, Make sure you download the show every single day. And if you hit that follow button, it actually downloads it for you guys. It's a really simple process. I'm going to encourage you guys to make sure you join us every single day as we talk all things BYU sports. All right, getting going here on a Friday. Let's continue our look back at BYU football history by looking back at year two of the tenure with Lavelle Edwards as head coach of the Cougars. 1973 is where we're going today in the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. And obviously, in 1972, he finished second in the conference. Lavelle Edwards is named Whack Coach of the Year after that stellar debut season for him, all things considered. Well, as I mentioned on yesterday's show, if you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to it. I talked about the fact that Lavelle Edwards has become synonymous with the pass-happy offense that would just go all over the field and use that pass to really differentiate themselves in a sport that was dominated by running offenses during this era. Well, in 1972, that was not the case. Fleet Pete, uh, Pete Van Valkenburg, was the nation's leading rusher, was a third-team All-American in 1972. But in 1973, this is when we start to see the archetype, the architect of BYU's pass-happy offense. They got to work and started really deploying this. Did it necessarily result in the best record? No. Funny enough, it actually was the only losing record that Lavelle Edwards would ever have in his head coaching tenure at BYU came in 1973. It doesn't mean it was an abject failure by any means. BYU, as a program in 1973, had a decent record, 5-6 and six on the year, 3-4 and four in the WAC, uh, the Western Athletic Conference. They finished in fourth place, tied with both New Mexico and Wyoming in the WAC, with the five and six record, though BYU had a better record than both New Mexico and Wyoming, who were four and seven. So as such, they won the tiebreaker to finish in fourth place. Number nine Arizona State was in first place. Arizona finished second, and then Utah finishing just in front of BYU. And we'll talk more about the Utes and some impressive things that BYU did in the season in a moment. The season started out rough, though, as BYU got this new pass-happy offense going. They started the quarterback uh, battle early. Gary Scheide came to BYU from Diablo Junior College was a junior when he entered BYU, but was the perfect player for what BYU was trying to do. Dewey Warren was the quarterback slash wide receivers coach, really was the first of many great coaches. We'll talk about the likes of Doug Scoville, Mike Holmgren. We'll talk about a number of them who really helped BYU's passing offense get off the ground. But Dewey Warren was kind of the first guy to really be a part of this. And he was the wide receivers slash quarterbacks coach that brought Gary Scheide into this offense. And they really started throwing it all all over the field. The season, though, started out rough. BYU opened the year at home against Colorado State in Provo, lost that game 21-13. They followed it up a week later with a home game against Oregon State, won that game 37-14, so a decent start 1-1, but then ensued a four-game losing streak, starting off in Romney Stadium in Logan, Utah, losing to Utah State 13-7, losing a narrow contest in Provo to Iowa State 26-24, getting absolutely trounced in Tempe, Arizona, at the hands of then number 12, of Arizona State fifty-two to twelve, and then finishing it off with a road game in Laramie, Wyoming, October twenty-seventh. Finishing that game with a forty-one to twenty-one loss. So, halfway through the season, BYU sits at one and five. Obviously, I'm sure fans at BYU are like, "What is going on?" They probably saw this newfangled offense and were wondering, "Okay, what are these guys trying to prove?" Well, things turned around in the second half of the season. BYU on November 3rd absolutely clobbered New Mexico 56 to 21. They then lost to Arizona in Provo 24 to 10 and then finished the season on a high note trouncing Weber State 45 to 14. If I'm not mistaken that is the first time the BYU and Weber State in-state foes actually faced one another in college football. I don't recall seeing the Wildcats on BYU's schedule before this. So 1973 the first time the Wildcats and the Cougars contested a football game and then the Cougars finished with two road games to finish out the year, but both of them were great wins. They went to Utah, put up 46 points in a game that actually had a blinding snowstorm, like a blizzard-type conditions in the first half. No matter, BYU's offense really on track 46-22 46-22 to the final. BYU wins their second straight game over Utah and then finishes the season at UTEP against former BYU head coach Tommy Hudspeth and they shut out the Miners 63 to nothing. Shortly thereafter, Tommy Hudspeth was fired as head coach of UTEP. Went on to have, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago, a career in the World Football League, the NFL, as well as going back to the CFL, which he originally came to BYU from. The Calgary Stampeders, if I'm not mistaken, is where he came from to coach BYU, but it was a tell of two halves of the season for BYU in 1973. The first half of the season, obviously, that offense was not humming as you would expect it to have later on in Lavelle Edwards' tenure. I think that's anything that happens with a new offense. The thing about teams, when they hire a new coach who brings in a pretty radical shift with regards to what they're doing on offense... Well, it seems to take some time for it to take hold. In 1973, it took until November. November 3rd, I think you can really see, okay, that's when it got going for BYU. Gary Scheide, in the season overall, had a very, very good year, all things considered. He actually tied the record for whack touchdown passes in a season tying both Virgil Carter as well as Danny White out of Arizona State with 22 on the season. That was a notable accomplishment considering what was going to come with future quarterbacks. Uh, 1973, I think, was the freshman year for some guy named the Mormon Rifle himself, uh, Gifford Nilsson. You now know him as Elder for Nilsen of the Quorum of 70 in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He was a freshman on this team, but Gary Scheide really got things going. Passed for 2,350 yards, an average of 8 yards per attempt. Completed 177 of 294 attempts, 22 touchdowns against 12 interceptions. It was a pretty stellar season, and he was helped out by one of the great what-could-have-been stories in jay miller jay miller was a freshman if i'm not mistaken in 1973 and put together an absolutely marvelous season 100 catches on the year, a total of 1,181 yards and 8 touchdowns. The sad part is that Jay Miller, after this absolutely stellar season in 1973, never really regained the form that he showed that year because of injuries and other issues. He's one of the guys, if you would have considered what he did in 1973 and projected ahead in his career, you're talking about a guy who probably should have been mentioned in the pantheon of an Austin Collie, of an Eric Drage, of a Hoffman, but the stats never materialized due to health concerns in the latter stages of his career at BYU. But nonetheless, an absolutely stellar campaign for him in 1973. I mentioned 100 catches uh, north of 1,100 yards and those eight touchdowns. You can't do much better than that, especially in this era of football, almost unheard of to have a guy catch 100 balls during this era that was dominated by the wishbone, the triple option, the veer, eye formation, all of that stuff. That was kind of all the rage of BYU football. Jay Miller was named first team all-whack as a split end or a wide receiver for his efforts that year. Paul Linford, BYU star defensive tackle on the defensive side of the football, was also named first team all-whack. Crazily enough, though, Gary Scheide was not named all-whack despite setting a number of records. He ranked second in the NCAA in completions, third in total offense, second in the NCAA in passing yardage overall. His best game in 1973 was 32 of 50 completed passes against New Mexico for 408 yards and six touchdowns. He set the New whack record for completion percentage in a season, 60.2%. And as I mentioned, also hit the league record in completed passes with that 32 completed passes and touchdown passes for one game against New Mexico. It really kind of was a preview of what was going to come with BYU's offense over the year. You got better players, better coaches, uh, just better quarterbacking and more sophisticated offense from this. And things were going to take off from here. But Gary Scheide, the first of what would become known as Lavelle Edwards' quarterback factory a great great year despite the only losing season Lavelle Edwards tenure that five and six record we'll talk about 1974 on Monday how did Gary Scheide do for an encore how did things go in year three of the Lavelle Edwards tenure we'll talk about all of that ahead on a Monday edition next week all right coming up here in just a moment we're going to continue our conversation that we started yesterday with Billy Nixon BYU director of player experience as well as equipment operations What went into the brand new locker room that BYU revealed earlier this week? We'll get to that in just a moment. Today's podcast is brought to you by our good friends at betonline.ag, folks. They are the best and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action, no matter what your interest might be in terms of sports. If you like cricket, they've got that for you. you. Like golf, they've got that for you. Do you like NBA, uh, NBA playoffs is what I'm trying to say NHL playoffs no matter what your interest might be they have the odds for you guys even have futures odds for NFL and college football you want to play some wagers on the Cougars you can do that at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game and have your chance to get some Skittles if you get my drift. Go to betonline.ag and sign up for free now. You can do it on your desktop or on your mobile device as well. While you're there, when you make your first deposit, use the promo code On for a 50% welcome bonus. 50% of whatever you add to your account will be given to you as free money to bet with. Take advantage of it now. That's betonline.ag, promo code Locked On for that 50%. From the Big East to the
0: Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the
1: Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, folks, part two of the conversation I had with Billy Nixon, who is BYU's director for player experience, as well as equipment operations. I had a great opportunity to speak with him earlier this week. Wanted to let you guys hear a little bit more about the backstory of how BYU went about getting this new locker room in place, the design process, how much went into it. Well, without further ado, here you go. Billy Nixon speaking with me about the new locker room BYU debuted earlier this week. That brings me to the locker room here. Big reveal earlier this week, obviously, players seeing it for the first time. I know you guys had teased it. I'd seen you guys putting out little clips of rolling the lockers into the new locker room and then the teaser video of you guys walking in and all that. How much fun was that experience to be part of that as you guys redesigned that locker room for the first time since since the student-athlete building was built?
0: You know, it was a huge blessing to be a part of it and an experience that, I, I hope I get to be a part of something like that down the road. You know, it's probably gonna take about 15 years, you know, or 20 years to, to do this again.
1: The, the precedent uh, but the, is there. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. But you know, I got to say the best part of it was getting players involved in the process. You know, I think that, uh, it, it was funny. So the day that I was actually awarded my doctorate or I, I defended my dissertation, um, was the morning of the Boise game. Okay. And I was allowed to defend it over zoom because I was, you know, in Boise, preparing for a game and I defend it. I end up, you know, they, they say congratulations, doctor, you know, awesome. I'm on cloud nine. I go down to breakfast and Kalani comes up to me and says, Hey, congratulations, man. I I just heard that you, you're now a doctor. And I'm like, yeah, thank you. Kalani says, okay, use all of your doctorate knowledge and design us a locker room. Wow. And I'm like, okay. And so it's funny. Like we, you know, we end up winning, you know, blowing out Boise On Monday, I meet up with John Swift. John Swift uh, was like, yeah, Kalani wants it. So John Swift and I started, you know, uh, again, gathering all this information from different locker rooms. That's what we put together the survey and focus group. And we got the ball rolling, you know. and, And the best part about that whole experience for me in that locker room was really getting the players involved. You know, Tom Homo, it wouldn't be possible without him. He was phenomenal. He wanted to give our players everything they wanted. Uh, Kalani wanted to give our players everything they wanted. And the best part is they allowed us to ask the players. And so, you know, about 75% of what you see that finished product being is what the players asked for. And so that's why, in fact, when we rolled it out yesterday, I actually was up here at my cabin. I wasn't even down there, but I knew the players were going to be excited because they designed it. I mean, you know, they're the, like everything, like I said, from the name plates, you know, to the design of the Nike wall, Mm -hmm. like our players' feedback is what put that together.
1: See and that that's really cool, and I actually that's absolutely fascinating because you guys so you guys started working on that last October then that's is that yeah that was the process. That's, that's when we
0: started getting the ball rolling.
1: okay. And so when I was reading in the release, you guys designed this more after' the, it's the Philadelphia Eagles, but in addition to the Eagles locker room itself, but you guys also you mentioned the fact you guys went through and looked at multiple redesigns of different locker rooms around the country. So are there more than just the Eagles that were I guess principal I guess guiding posts as you guys kind of went through this process?
0: Absolutely. You know, so the main structure of the SAB was designed after the Philadelphia Eagles, but the elements of the locker room itself, like the elements of the lockers were concepts from different locker rooms all over the country. Okay. And again, what was really neat going back to asking the players and stop assuming is it's easy for us to pull up like LSU's locker room and say, all right, this is what college athletes want. Let's go do it. You know, or or Alabama's locker room. This must be what, you know, players want. Let's go do it. What's interesting is is there's concepts from G5, middle-of-the-road G5 locker rooms that we presented to the players. They're like, that's way better than these Power 5 schools. And you wouldn't guess. And and, and I don't even want to name names, you know, because I don't want to, you know, go down that road. But we probably showed about 15 – to 18 different locker, used 15 to 18 different locker rooms, elements from these different locker rooms that provided a pretty big um, sample, you know, of like all the different things we can do. And it was really cool. It was cool to see that a middle-of-the-road G5 that didn't even go to a bowl game this year, that an element from their locker room was, you know, more favored among our football players than a Power Five program that was, you know, on the heels of the playoff. Right. So again, it's just we gotta get out of this mindset of we know what's best and we just gotta ask. And we gotta get that, we gotta let players lead. And you know, it goes back to Kalani from day one has been about we're gonna be a player run team, staff supported. And so everything we do is gonna be built by players for players. And we're just here to help them do
1: it. Okay, so as you guys went about this process, obviously COVID was ongoing. I, the last year is about as, as weird a season as I have ever experienced in the media covering you guys. I'm sure it was weird for you guys. How difficult was it to design a locker room when you guys aren't allowed to go tour other locker rooms by and large, I would imagine?
0: Yeah, you know what? Thank goodness that no one keeps secrets anymore because we have a social media world. Yeah. I mean, in fact, you know, Jake, you know more secrets about BYU than I know. I mean, most <laughs> of the time, you're breaking things. And I'm like, oh, hey... Guys, I, I didn't realize we we're announcing Built for Life, but Jay Catch did. You know, um, no, I you know, I, I just think that we live in a world now where we could do all that research very easy. You know, it's it's it like <laughs> we have Google, mm-hmm. we have all these resources, and we could get it done. You know, you brought up you brought up COVID, and man, it feels like a flash in the pan. You know, uh, the whole COVID season, but I think that something that it was so great about this year was player experience, mm-hmm. right? Well, other teams didn't want to play. They didn't want to go to a bowl game. Coach Satake was like, we are going to have the best experience in college football, right? And this was back when we didn't even have a schedule. We didn't even have one game on the schedule and we're still practicing. And Coach Satake's like, guys, figure out a way to make this an amazing experience for our boys. And so, you know, I look at these other programs that did not come to play this year and did not really exhibit any desire to want to play because of COVID. And not just COVID, but we had some, you know, the, the, the social justice issues that were also coming into play in college football and, in, you know, influencing locker rooms. And so I think that the way we're able to navigate all that is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's, Hey, does this heighten player experience, right? Does this help them love to be here and want to be here? And so, um, even from the black, the blackout game, the whole reason why we did that is because that was a touch point the boys wanted to do and we did it. Right. And so, I think that that whole mindset is part of the reason why we had such a fun year dancing on the sidelines. I and mean, that was Kalani. Kalani's like, we're going to dance on the sidelines because we are going to have the best experience in college football. And so a lot of people ask me what's player experience. And then in player experience is what it sounds like, you know, and yes, there's no other player experience director out there right now. I think there's someday probably will be right. But uh, my role is in, in, and honestly our whole staff's role is we're going to provide the best experience in college football.
1: Well, and see, I think that's, that's actually kind of cool. You're a you're a pioneer of sorts in the in this sport, and I think we see all the time there are guys getting all kinds of different titles. But this player experience management. I- I'm with you. I think this is going to be something that becomes a bigger and bigger deal, especially in the NIL era that's coming up. I, oh, absolutely. I, I just think with how much is going to have to be dealt with on that front, they're going to need people like you, like Gary Verone, who are going to be able to kind of manage it, help these players navigate all the different hurdles they're going to face individually as they sign these deals. So I, I find it fascinating. So uh, last couple of things for me here, Billy, is – you talked about the fact you guys wore the 11 different combinations of uniforms a year ago. Yes. Uh, Looking forward to this year, you guys are adding the Royal helmets and the Navy helmets. How many combinations can you guys put out now overall?
0: 26. Okay. And, you know, we've already, we've already established our schedule for this year. Um, Right after we got the, the helmets approved, we brought our leadership council in, and we, we showed them the schedule and we showed them all the combos and said, Hey, you guys pick. And so, again, every combo you see that we wear this year was selected by our student-athletes. Um, and, you know, it was a big thing with, with, with the combos. There's a lot of sensitivity because a lot of people want BYU football to be Alabama, where it's every week it's a traditional look. Yeah, And, and so part of the whole uniform thing was diving into history. And that's why if you see in the locker room layout – that that design of the hundred years that the Vandy brothers created, the hundred years of uniforms that we have, um, it shows the evolution of the uniform. The reason why I did that is because all the uniforms we wear this year they reflect that hundred years of tradition, right? Not just the you know the classic years of Lavelle, right? But they reflect you know back when we wore you know uh, the three stripes on the sleeve when we yeah. first started wearing it in nineteen thirty seven. Right, and what's interesting is people always say, Oh, well, the Navy helmet, the Navy helmet reflects, uh, you know, that that's only the bib era. Actually, the bibs was one year, mm-hmm. right? A lot of people loved the Navy helmet, right? Even back then, and we're sad to see it go, including players. The big thing about with player experience we also need to incorporate alumni, right? When I'm talking player experience, I'm not saying, Hey, just the time they play, yeah, but to the time they die, right? Once a cougar, always a cougar. And what frustrated me is I'd have a player come in and say, know what I have uh, you know I'm a little embarrassed well why are you embarrassed well I have the Navy helmet in my office I don't have a you know I never played in the white helmet and I'm like the man the Navy helmet that's still BYU and I'm excited that we bring back the Navy helmet so now that that great era of college football I mean some of the best college football we played was in a Navy helmet yeah right now all those alumni look and say you know what when we wear that Navy helmet it's like hey that's my BYU right that represents me in fact the Navy helmet was first introduced in the forties. So it wasn't even introduced in the night, you know, in 1999. So again, the Royal helmet, rich tradition with the Royal helmet, you know, and, and I'm excited to incorporate those, but I'm excited because it's going to honor tradition, but provide innovation for our, our, our athletes to get creative in the decision making process.
1: Okay. Can you promise me they will not wear Royal and Navy at the same time though?
0: Well, I can't promise that, right? Because the problem is, is in, I mean, I, I that won't happen this year. Uh-huh. But in 1998, I mean, that outline of that drop shadow was actually Navy. Yep. You know, and so we, we've already worn a Navy and Royal jersey. <laughs> so, I mean, BYU's tradition, really, of uniform is a tradition of innovation. Right? We've, we've been all over the place. When Tom Homo played, we had three different color face masks on the field. that Correct.
1: Once. Correct. Yeah.
0: You know, we had some wise that were stretched and some wise that were blocked. Right at the end of the day, BYU's tradition—the most traditional aspect of our uniform—is the three stripes on the sleeve. Right, everything outside of that is a lot more modern. Even the two stripes on the helmet didn't come until the '60s, mm-hmm. and that came on a silver helmet. Right, mm-hmm. which, by the way, don't worry, Jake. I'm taking note of the silver helmet.
1: Okay, right. Hey, I, I was going <laughs> to ask. You, I think there's some fans out there who are wondering about that one. <laughs> so, Well
0: no, that that, but no, you, you that that's a a lot a lot of fun this year with uniforms that's what i can promise
1: that's awesome well hey billy i thank you for taking the time it was a blast to catch up with you i look forward to doing this again down the road maybe we we'll get closer to the season talk more about how the built for life program is is progressing because i think we're all just kind of waiting for name image and likeness to finally kind of get the green light for, regardless of wherever it's because the green light's coming from whether it's the federal government the ncaa when it finally goes through i'd like to catch up with you and kind of find out how things are going at that point
0: Absolutely. You know, one thing real quick, I uh-huh. just want to mention, okay. um, is we really focus on name image likeness in this narrow scope. Right. But another thing that's happening right now in college football is they're loosening up transfer rules. Yeah. And so what people also need to understand is recruiting. It used to be a, you know, like car salesman, we get them in and we, you know, we have a structure, a legal structure in place to keep them here. Right. Um, and now that's that that's going away. And so as we're moving into these different transfer rule era, we need to not only recruit, but we need to focus on retaining and then elevating. Right. Because you know, and, and NIL is gonna be a huge part of that. Sure. Because you're gonna see student athletes bounce based off of what's pro- providing me the best opportunity.
1: Well, and, see, and that's the thing. That's actually an underrated point in all of this, because I've talked with college basketball coaches. They have smaller rosters, obviously, and they're dealing with transfers in and out all the time. But football is the same yep. thing. You just happen to have a bigger recruiting base, considering you have, a, you have 85 scholarship players, 123 overall on the roster. And you're right. Retention is massive now because a kid could decide tomorrow, hey, I'm out and they're gone. Exactly. It's a wild, wild world out there, and I I commend you guys on being able to kind of stay on top of it as best best you possibly can. I know that it's not easy, but I give you guys the best. I I wish you guys the best of luck moving forward with all of this, all right? Well, hey, I appreciate it, and thanks for having me on. A big thank you to Billy Nixon for joining us here on Locked On Cougars. Some great thoughts on the process that went into the design, the overall build of the BYU locker room that they debuted earlier this week. It's crazy to think about, but it really is that simple sometimes folks you just got to ask people their opinions on things and really find out what they like what they want to see that type of stuff too often i think in every facet of our lives we think we know best but sometimes it can just really be as simple as hey ask a question get the response and go from there and also really cool to hear him talk about the fact that they realize that the transfer portal the new era that's been created with that where student athletes now control their future more than ever they can decide you know what i'm leaving tomorrow figuratively and sometimes literally That gives BYU as well as the rest of college football a major incentive to make sure that the player experience is absolutely taken care of because when a guy is unhappy, there's no reason for them to stick around and why would they stick around if they feel like they're underappreciated, underutilized, that type of stuff. And it's cool to hear that BYU already understands that and is working to make sure that these players, the athletes that come through Brigham Young University feel valued, feel like they're part of the program, they have ownership in it, and they're obviously benefiting from it along the way as well. All right, once again, a big thank you to Billy. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at... At BYU Equipment, excuse me, at BYU Equipment. And once again, Billy, thank you for taking the time for joining us here. All right, running over time here a little bit, but we'll get to our final notes for the week that is for BYU on the Locked On Cougars podcast here in a moment. A countdown towards BYU football this fall, and a notable player is in our player countdown today. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. Today's podcast is brought to you in part by our good friends at Rock Auto, guys. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local auto parts store or dealership to stock all the parts you need from the various manufacturers who make them why waste time when the guys are looking up stuff on their computer when you can do the same thing at home the best part about rock auto folks is why would you choose to spend up to 30 50 even a hundred percent more for the same parts from that chain store or dealership you can go to rockauto.com whether you use your desktop or your mobile device and see all the parts available to you from multiple manufacturers and the best part is you can search by price specifications you can make it customized to you Take advantage of it now, guys, and, of course, Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have parts, everything from brake parts to tail lamps, mortar oil, even new carpet, a new engine. No matter what you might need, they've got you taken care of. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution for all of your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck now right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that way they know that we sent you to check them out once again that's rock auto amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need go online to rockauto.com Today's show is brought to you once again by our great friends over at Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bars ever. Guys, I think I talk a lot about how healthy these protein bars are. i give you an example of this. Most of their flavors contain 17 grams of protein, and considering how delicious these bars are, you will not believe they can pack that much protein into them, but even better, only 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and by the way, only 4 grams of net carbs, and they're also high in dietary fiber, folks. These are the perfect solution wherever you might be in your health journey. You're like a guy like me who's trying to lose weight. They can be a perfect complement there. You're trying to maintain it, maintain weight, bulk up a little bit. They also give you that lean whey protein to help you do that as well. They have nine delicious base flavors as well as limited time flavors that you can take advantage of when you go to BuiltBar.com. Place your order now, by the way, and use the Promo code LOCKED15 while you're there to save 15% off your first order. Cannot encourage you guys enough to give Built Bars a chance. I love them. I believe if you give them a chance, you will love them as well. So once again, that's BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Make sure you enjoy the best tasting protein bars and do it with Built Bar. All right, my friends, quickly before we go here on a Friday edition of the podcast, it's been an absolutely incredible week. So big thank you to all of our guests this week, Neil Pau, Isaac Rex, Dylan Holker, Billy Nixon, as you heard, Mel Olson. Man, we have had an action-packed week, and a big thank you to all of them for contributing to the show. But more importantly, thank you to all of you for your continued support of the podcast download numbers, despite this being kind of the downtime, which traditionally our download numbers go down to a large degree, you guys actually held us steady, and it's been absolutely impressive. A big thank you to you guys for being the support that makes this engine go right here on Locked on Cougars. Before we go today, though, we are now 71 days away from BYU in Arizona kicking off the season in Las Vegas. That brings us to our player countdown today, number 71 on the roster, the one, the only, the Blake Freeland. Freeland had a debut season for BYU starring in that upset win over Boise State in 2019. Went on to play more of a reserve role in 2020, but had his moments where he was absolutely brilliant for BYU and called upon. He now moves to the left side and will have pretty big shoes to fill as Brady Christensen goes to the Carolina Panthers. And by the way, Brady Christensen signing his multi-year deal with the Panthers yesterday. Congratulations to him on that. But also, Blake Freeland now steps into that spot at left And I'm telling you what, folks, if Blake Freeland can capitalize on what he has shown through his first two seasons as a BYU Cougar, there's no reason to think there's going to be that much of a drop-off at the left tackle position. And in fact... I think there might be even more athleticism coming to left tackle from Blake Freeland than Brady Christensen hadn't. Brady Christensen, let's be honest, folks, was an absolute star and a great athlete at left tackle. What a 10-4 broad jump. Showed off his athleticism at BYU's pro day. But Blake Freeland, six foot eight, three hundred pounds, a guy who is every athletic and tangible you'd want to see from an athletic offensive tackle. I think he's going to make the left tackle position his own. I think whoever is starting at quarterback for BYU this year can understand. Hey, I've got a nice blindside protector, a guy who's going to get the job done. And I like the bloodlines that Blake Freeland has. He's playing right now in that powder league up there in Salt Lake County, playing hoops. This is a kid who was a multi-sport star in high school. Won the state title in track and field and throw game. I think shot put and discus. I think he won double titles in that. A true athlete and a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing suiting up on the left side of BYU's offensive line, and I expect him to make left tackle absolutely his own. And once again, Blake Freeland, number 71 on the roster, as we are 71 days away from BYU in Arizona kicking off the season. All right, over time here, but a big thank you once again for your support this week on the podcast. Hope you all are doing great wherever you might be. Follow the show on social media: Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Locked On Cougars, or reach out via email anytime. Locked On BYU you at gmail.com that is the email address that will do it have a great weekend wherever you might be enjoy some fun in the sun and we will talk to you guys next week this has been the locked on cougars podcast for june 25th 2021 and we will talk to you guys on monday